The Mind Game with Paul Farrelly and Gary McGovern. Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Mind Game Pod. I'm Paul Farrelly and I'm joined today with Gary McGovern. Coming up on today's podcast, we discuss lockdown and how we're dealing. We have an interview with Mead star Michael Newman about the troubles he has faced with injuries and setbacks and how he deals with them. And on our closing segment, Thursday Thoughts with Paul, we will give a tip for our listeners each week to improve well-being. It's great to be finally recording the very first Mind Game pod. I'm going to start off with the topic that has been on most people's minds or on everyone's minds the last year or so, and that is being the various lockdowns we've been through. We're on, currently on lockdown 3.0. Paul, how have you dealt with the various lockdowns what have you used uh, to get you through the various lockdowns it's an interesting one I suppose I think like look obviously it's a tough time for everyone and you know everyone's struggling with it I think there's definitely positives to be taken out of it as well um, look I, I like to say I have been dealing with it fairly well like obviously I've had me moments and I think kind of it's a transition in and out of the lockdowns that I find tough so you know I suppose coming out of the first one, I found that tough trying to get back into routine then, you know, when I was so used to not being routine and not working and then trying to get back into it, that's what I struggled with. Um, and then obviously the second lockdown then, or the third lockdown, you know, there's darker evenings, it's colder, it's not the same as as back last last May or June, you know, when it was warm and sunny and we could go out for a lot more walks and be out in the garden. I try and keep in routine as best I can. So a few of the things I use to help me to help me get through it is well one I, I I meditate every day so now I don't mean sitting with my legs crossed humming you know I just I, I have an app inside banger and um, there's some great meditations on that app so depending on how I'm feeling if I'm feeling anxious I go on to that I look, look up dealing with anxiety and there's a meditation straight away from that if I'm feeling stressed I go on type in dealing with stress and there's a meditation on that and it's great it just gives you that break from it all you know just gives you a few minutes to yourself and and time to, to relax I suppose and um, I avoid the news completely because at the start I was looking at numbers every day and how's it all going and vaccines and stuff and I'd find after the news I'd be anxious I'd feel you know me, me throat closing in I'd be breathless and and it's just because of all the negativity on it there's no benefit to me watching the news so I try and avoid that as best I can um, and I avoid getting lost in me thinking so I avoid predicting two three weeks down the line I try and stay in the present moment as much much as I can because that's all I can control if I try and think of the what ifs you know I go down a fairly rough rabbit hole there and then I just try and put as much activities that I enjoy into my life as much as I can you know so I try and not get stuck in the habit of just sitting watching mindless telly all the time and um, I've been trying to play a lot of the guitar and um, I'm trying to do a good a lot of workouts this podcast is great now because it's another distraction and that's probably one of the reasons why we both we both started it maybe this time you know a couple of years ago we wouldn't have had time to do it so you know there's a positive from it and another thing I do which I find very helpful is I write a gratitude list every day so again that probably sounds a bit stupid but just every day at the end I write 10 things that I'm grateful for now they could be simple things you know like you know food and warmth the house little things that we take for granted but that we should be grateful for so you know I suppose they're they're the ones I use most of all to keep me but obviously still you know you have rough days I'm sure just some people deal with it well some people don't all we can do is try our best and try and get through it as best we can as regards yourself what would be what would be your tips and advice to people or just what worked for me Paul in, in the first one as you said the, the weather was good so I would have started running a bit because there was no football to keep me occupied there was no training so I was started doing plenty of running back then back last March then last year as well I watched never watched Harry Potter before so I've watched all the Harry Potter films then watched all of Prison Break was another good one because television wasn't a thing that I would have watched a lot of wouldn't watch a lot of TV but I kind of started getting into watching TV I was, I was just as something to look forward to in the evening. So I was still working from home and I was busy. So that kept the mind going until the evenings. But the evening time, I always needed to be active as well. I was never kind of one for sitting around too much. So I used the, the television uh, and the running. 
then coming into the, the second lockdown, you know, come into October, and there was that been a hyperactivity for months. And, you know, after all the football and that finished, there was, there was a bit of a low that time. So then again, I kind of picked up the running again after a few weeks, you know, and that kept, kept me focused then and then kind of tried to find more things to to watch on the telly and just something to look forward to in the evenings, really. Uh, and then December, obviously, we had the charity run with the Gaelic Centre Darts team, and that was great. There was good camaraderie there. The WhatsApp group was flying. You know, there was a bit of crack around that. And you just felt you were chatting to lads a small bit more. And then it was just having something to look forward to then at the weekend. So when you weren't working on a Saturday or Sunday, like you know, the days seemed longer. So I used to just small things like maybe a walk or a takeaway at the weekend. That was the big one uh, for me to keep me going because there used to be a thing I, I took for granted before a change of diet, but now I don't take them for granted at all. So having that to look forward to at the weekend. So it's just a, a goal that was reachable. I suppose having a goal that was reachable every day. So it was either your TV program in the evening, your run, and then your takeaway at the weekend, and it was just trying not to get lost and thinking about all the things that we were missing out on, like the holidays and different things. And I had to remember then that everyone else is in the same boat as well. No, no one else had them things. So, like, it wasn't if I was missing out on on a whole pile. But I'm just grateful as well that you know I was able to do the running because. I couldn't imagine be, what it would be like to say being injured at that time because I know, you know a couple of lads locally that were and we'll be we'll be talking to to Mike and Newman soon and he went through a very tough time in the in the last number of years with different injuries. So especially in the last year with the injury with the injuries he got on the hip and you know the timing of them as well. Uh, and so some of the news you got after that. So we'll on the first looking into that with Michael, the uh, who's coming up now the welcome uh, for an interview. And and so we'll go and we listen to that interview now with Michael Newman. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Thanks for having me, Gary and Thanks very much, Mickey. Um, I suppose we'll start start off straight into it. Don't want to keep you hanging around. I'm sure that you've bits to be doing this evening or the dinner has to be got. So, Mickey, we're just going to focus, I suppose, first of all, on the injuries that you've had, the injury setbacks you've had on in your career. Uh, would you like to just fill us in on a couple of them injuries, kind of maybe from the first one leading up just to the most recent one that you've had? Yeah, um, I've been obviously I've been unlucky throughout my career with injuries. Uh, past two years, I suppose, just to give you an idea, uh, in 14, 15 months I've had three operations and in two years I've had four operations um, so I've only I'm six weeks after having the hip operation uh, 12 months ago I had the same operation on, on my other hip and before that I had a broken elbow got that operated on and a year before that I had my ankles on as well so that's kind of roughly where I am at the minute uh, I'm recovering from my hip operation um, as I said for the second time in 12 months um, so I suppose that brings you up to date where I am at the minute. So just take us through the the most recent hip operations. So where were you when you found out that you needed the operation, or and, and what was the reaction at the time? I suppose you're 28, maybe going on 29 when you found out with the first one, and then 29 going on 30. You've been in around mid panel since 2004 with the mid under 14s right through nearly happened I don't think you've had a year out maybe one year out um, that wasn't maybe injury related and all that time so after after such a long time there does it start to, and does it start to creep in that you know how am I going to come back from this is this the kind of final straw or is this the straw that broke the camel's back yeah it's a good question Gary um, like so to answer the first part um it was after the 2019 season, so we'd obviously done very well. We got to Division 1 and so on. So I was looking to put in a big pre-season, you know, kick on again. And I had to get my elbow operated on. That was just an ongoing issue. Um, and while I got that operated on, I was training away. Um, and I was just having this problem with my hip. 
I just wasn't getting better. And, you know, eventually, then they said to the physio, just sure, I'll get this looked at now, just when I'm waiting. And uh, I had a look and didn't look great. So I got sent to a specialist down in Washford, uh, Dr. Patrick Carton. And that's where it started. I drove down on a Tuesday, I'll never forget it. Um, went down on my own, waited for three and a half hours to see him. I saw him and he pretty much in five or six minutes told me that my two hips are pretty much in a bad way and that um, inter-county football is, is, will no longer happen for me and maybe two years, three years in max of club football. So that's all got hit at once in the space of 10 minutes. And, you know, I never get driving home on my own from Waterford after receiving that news. Uh, that was the first. That was the first uh, time I realised that I was in, you know, I was in a bit of bother. Um. So obviously, then you know, dealing with that, it was very, very tough. You know, very yeah. tough. So I just like, imagine it was a lonely place coming home there on your own, kind of with your own thoughts. Um, what were the what were the thoughts? I suppose when you were coming up the road from what for that time. Uh, like. I had been kind of pre-warned, like uh, the past medical team there with me, and Barry McAvee had kind of said that, you know, this guy might, you know, might say surgery or whatever. So I did a tiny flu, but I did not take there from different things that, you know, it's not good. Uh, so driver, I just was like, you know, that's it. I, I just couldn't believe that, you know, I'm 28, 29, and that's, just going to be it for me so uh, I found it very very hard uh, that night you know didn't sleep really at all the next few days were a blur just like you know you're just going over in your head going how could this be over now I mean I was grand I was training I was running last week you know and I was done so yeah it was very hard not to be negative about it but you know it did creep in big time and I suppose like you were just in the middle of recovering from the the elbow the elbow injury and that this was this was brought upon you and I can imagine that you always thought you were going to go out on your own terms maybe you know or maybe when someone told you maybe a county level anyway Mickey look that's enough or a new manager or something come in and then you would have went out on your own terms with come in and probably when they were maybe 45 or 50 okay. you know so at that time when they told you even like there's two or three years left of club football and that was probably was telling your best case scenario you know where did you where did you turn to then for advice or who were you able to turn to to you know to talk about this and to kind of get you in I suppose a mindset to to go into this recovery then process that you went into and to to get back on the road to playing football yeah it's good like good question again and and it it does matter like you know who you know who you communicate with you know so the first day or two, down the dumps, I asked whatever I wanted. I did whatever I wanted. I let it just kind of set in, I suppose. And then I kind of picked myself up and I said, right, I knew Shane Hawke. I knew Kevin Riley had been noted, same operation, knew that similar. I said, right, I got their numbers. Uh, I rang the physios. I was like, right, rang the doctor. Let's get a plan. So I met. I met the two physios at the time. It was Liam Hogan and Barry McAfee. Uh, and Aidan McAfee as well and uh, Dr. Jules called in to meet uh, Dr. and I, I sat down and I said right where is this going to end the best thing you know how long is it going to take what's the work like you know and then I rang Kevin Riley and I rang Shane Rock and I had a good chat with the two lads there for you know probably the lads gave me over an hour on the phone just telling me what it's like their experiences how they've come back, you know, and that gave me a gave me a big lift. Being able to talk to Kev and the fact he was able to play on for another year there with Leeds. The fact that Shane Rock is still playing and won two Keegans back to back with the same issues. That was a massive help. So just having that network around me, you know, pick up the phone, ring lads there in a similar boat and then, you know, we're uh, the professional advice then from your physios. And it's great to hear that because it's not something fellas like myself or Paul would see or know looking from the outside because one of the reasons for the podcast is to look at the discussion around you know how people deal with the setbacks and 
one of the questions maybe I would have had for you that I won't need to ask now is, is there a support network there? Is there someone you can turn to when you're in, in difficult situations? And obviously seems that within the meat set up that that is there, uh, which is great to see. Is there any, you know, times throughout the recovery process or throughout the, I suppose, the rehabilitation that you've kind of started to question things? And, you know, if you have, like, how do you deal with, with, with yourself questioning, you know, the, the comeback from the injury and kind of saying to yourself, do you know what, I, I could just go back and I can just do what I want. I can eat what I want. Do you know, I can enjoy me a few pints, you know, things open back up after lockdown. You know, you're still going to be involved in football, but maybe you can start doing some of the things that you might have missed on. So how do you how do you deal with that? I suppose that them negative things will that would creep in maybe throughout a long recovery process. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one because you know I'm I'm going through that currently now at the minute. Like I'm I'm like six week checkup now on Thursday, so pretty much the last five weeks I've just been doing exercises exercises every day, you know, and. It gets there after a while, and, and I only spoke to Aid on the Aid on McAfee, the physio uh, last week just about being fed up. I just had enough of uh, two, three sets of, of, of maybe 10 exercises a day. And I just said, I'm just not, you know, not really enjoying it. And I just don't see down the line, you know what I mean? I don't see the summer football, I don't see the, uh, you know, the enjoyment there with lads and whatever. Uh, so, like, what I did is I just took a break. I just took, I took pretty much two days off there over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Just said forget about it. Um, I didn't even think about it. Didn't really talk to anybody about football as such. Didn't you know? I just didn't get into it. Gave myself a break, and then I came back at it Monday and I kind of started to refocus again. I said, right, come on, you know, you're 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 doing grand. Everything's going well. It's just you know, it's just a phase and. Feeling great again now this week and re energized again. Yeah, and and the lockdown, I'd imagine, you know, recovering from the two two hip operations now within the the last twelve months is difficult with the lockdowns, you know, because there's not the same distractions. Even if you're not playing the football, you know, there's not the places you can go to. You know, you can't go out for dinner, you can't go on holidays, etc. So there isn't them distractions or different kind of targets you can set yourself mentally right I can work hard for a few weeks then I'm going off to Spain yeah. for a few days or do you know there's nothing kind of nearly to look forward to and I, and I can only imagine when you're trying to recover from two operations in the space of that time with the lockdown it's it's difficult and just looking I just you mentioned there you, you talk to nobody you know for a couple of days about football I just kind of want to move on to another aspect away from the injuries which will be you know, maybe not in the last year or so, but for the last, say, 10 years, you know, you're playing football with Kilmainham, you're playing with Mead, you walk into the town of Kells. I know for myself, the first thing I'm mad to say is, well, how's the football going? You know, and it's the same with everyone. You know, no one asks, oh, well, how's, how are you, Mickey? How's work going? Any holidays? Or did you see such and such on the TV? Everything is based around football. Then you're up and screen teaching and it's just it's just a, a football stronghold in me and anyone that's ever been up around screen knows how passionate they are up there you know they've been senior for how many years now and I think every every family steeped in it so it's for you it's probably very has been very hard to escape escape football um, in your everyday life even away from football what do you use to kind of escape that or to kind of get away from the football at times, you know, especially maybe after being knocked out of the championship, you know, maybe August, September, and you know, you just want a kind of a break away from it altogether. Now, how do you how do you escape the football or even during the season when you just kind of want to really focus on your game and you don't want to be saying too much or talking too much about it? How do you kind of distract yourself <clears throat> um, away from all that football talk? Um yeah, it's it is as I said. Like the football can be it's all encompassing at times, especially the inter county. Uh, you forget that you're going to be playing maybe at the weekend in the Leinster final. You know what I mean? And everybody is asking you what's going on. Um, so I'm lucky enough. My go-to or my thing I do is I go to the farm. I have 
know, I'm a farmer's son. I I often played league games uh, in Navan on a Sunday. I come home and went out and started milking cows, and just did that. And even now, I'm doing it like I go down the farm, just doing jobs that I can do on my own, monotonous everyday jobs, where I don't have to be, uh, as you said, putting on that face and you know going to the town and, and, and giving everyone like and everyone's entitled their opinion and it's great, but it just saps the energy out of you. So I just find going to the farm for me. Like I'm lucky in that sense, but that's that's what I use really to, to kind of switch off. Um, so I started kind of reading a lot more lately as well, um, which is very good. I kind of look at you know you get to look at things from different points of view, and uh, you know there is more to life than football and that kind of thing. So um, they're the two for me. Farming up <laughs> always it's just a great escape. Um, I suppose a little bit of reading as well. And you feel like we know how, I suppose you, you'd be a great example of someone that has been there in a, in a change in inter-county football where, say, from your first year back in, I don't know, was it 2011, 2012, in with the Mead Senior Panel, yeah. up until now, you've probably seen the changes. It's become more professional, probably even in that number of years. Is there ever... a time where you you know you'd say to yourself like you just just I'd love to pack it in and you know just I'd love to go play soccer with Kel Celtic or I'd love to be going playing with four Drew and just having a few pints at the weekend or you know is is there ever times you say that to yourself it, because the, the game is so demanding or even with the demands do you still find it really enjoyable? Um kind of both like I I absolutely love Obviously, in love with you wouldn't like wouldn't be at us as long as I am without loving it. Uh, and I suppose like I often find that's what separates club and inter county is the commitment side of things. It's uh, as the play inter county are going, they tend to be just more dedicated, you know, uh, and just don't give up as easy. So I do still love it, but I do. There has been times over the years I won't lie, where especially in the old structure, I know it's. Next season is going to be split season, which is unbelievable. For 10, 15 years, they're crying out for it. Like, you know, you could start maybe October, November, December. And you're by the time it comes around to the championship and you're supposed to be playing, you're nearly hoping that, you know, you're, you're nearly just wishing it's all going to be over so you can just have a break, uh, which is a terrible thing to be saying. But just the odd time you would, you would get that feeling like, you know, this there's just no end. And as soon as the inter-county finishes, you're in with your club. And if your club get a run, it's going to run into inter-county again for the following year. So um, there has been that time now, just even when me won't go well, maybe under towards Nichols' final year or two, 2015-16, that time where I just found, yeah, it was took the sting out of a bit. The environment has gone out of it a little bit. Um, you just won't perform and you won't get any results for all the work you're putting in. Um, and where was the enjoyment? So, you know, for me, I was going back to come in and we were getting best. We were in a relegation playoff. You know, we probably lost probably 80% of the games I played that year between Intercounty and Club. So it's hard not to get a little bit down about it, you know, or a little bit annoyed with it. But uh, all in all, you know, the enjoyment outweighed that, you know. Yeah, it's good. To, it's good to hear that, you know, you're saying that the enjoyment was still there, although you were you know, getting beat or whatever, but that the enjoyment was outweighing it because, you know, you often hear people saying that, you know, in the smaller counties, maybe that it's not enjoyable, etc. But then you kind of wonder why some of them did it for so long if it wasn't that enjoyable. So it's good to it's good to hear that the enjoyment is still there. Yeah, you, you make you make your own, you make your you make your fun like the dressing room and the, the lads and anybody that's been ever been involved in the team sport. And being part of the collective where you're trying to achieve something, it, it's the best pack ever. You know, it's really yeah. is really enjoyable, and and, and everybody loves training. And uh, you have your few months of preseason, which are obviously not very enjoyable in Dungani or wherever. But as soon as the weather picks up, the league starts. Games brilliant. There's, there's no better feeling, you know. To be involved. When you mentioned the dressing room there, uh, the crack in the dressing room brought me back to that school game at Column Kills. 
back in <laughs> back in six yeah. Um, you know, we'd 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 some great times back there too. But someone put someone through a table, was it? Yeah. I think <laughs> I, I think the table was under a lot of pressure from from a from a big full forward that time, but we're not meant to know who he was. Yeah. Um just another another pressures that would have as well that would have came about in more recent years as well that you would have seen a change and would have been social media, Mickey. Um do you I suppose do you look at much social media first or do you like how do you take any negativity then if you do see it and I'm sure look even if you don't read stuff that someone else is reading it and kind of mentions it mentions it in passing like or you know, there's probably lads in the dressing room that look at it all the time. Or did you see what this fellow was saying? How do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, I like it, it happens, and I would have seen it firsthand with Paddy Rock. I think it was after one of the games, the uh, the West League game. He got oh, he got absolutely dogged out on, on Twitter, and you know, I think he did it. He liked some of the, the, the tweets. Do you know what I mean? That. The negative the messages you know that people were sending and it was just I saw that happening now I've been lucky enough I've never really been hit on social media well I haven't seen it really but um, it does happen and I, and it does affect it does affect lads because we're not getting paid uh, 80,000 a week to go out and if you know some players would be in the premiership probably don't care if they play bad or not <laughs> You're still getting paid, you know. You're playing, you're playing club, or you're playing in the county, and you're proud to do your best. And uh, you're getting abuse on top of it. it, doesn't help things at all, you know. Um, you no, know, I've been lucky enough now at games, I've been getting you know, at club games, especially, yeah, you'd be getting, you'd be getting abuse, no doubt about it. And, and you know, say with that abuse, like. Would our stuff would stuff ever affect you? Would there be ever stuff said or that maybe you'd take away and Jesus think to yourself, Is is that true? Do you know? Would you be ever thinking to yourself, someone say, Oh, you're useless, you should retire, you're never any good for me, or something like that, which I'm I'm sure it comes up because we've all seen it at club level, even from I've seen it myself from playing B League and different things, there's always someone that's going to say something to you if you're playing anyway well at all or maybe even if he's anyway on top of you and he kind of try and really rub it into you you know is there how has there been times where you've kind of taken stuff away and said you know kind of let it get into your head yeah like I suppose when you're playing club you're supposed to be the, the inter-county players you know what I mean so you're going to get it and like especially if you're not hitting the heights that you'd want to be it's a it's just like a free invitation there for for rivals support or you know uh, spectators to, to give it to you and but sometimes you would even free taken out all the time I would have uh, felt it now I would have played that club game and partly my own fault I would have played it probably wasn't a hundred percent fit would have went out you know what I mean tried cutting and doing my best and took on freeze and stuff which I shouldn't have done didn't go over and I'm getting it that you know what I mean you're not you're no good or you know what I mean you shouldn't be taking freeze from me or etc etc and stuff like that you know would would hit you a little bit because um, first of all like you know you're good enough to do it but you just kind of start to wonder are you you know what I mean it's it's only natural to do so uh that's the only real times now. People giving you abuse for kicking their shoulder and that or doing whatever, that's all part and parcel of it. But, you know, that personal kind of... Yeah, yeah. I think it's the only time, maybe, yeah. And what advice would you give for for someone maybe that is getting that abuse, you know, like from, say, from your past experiences, I'm sure you've learned, you know, different things that it doesn't get into your head as much now or... You have a say a routine in your head, maybe for if you've missed one and he's kind of dogged you, that you're saying, right, I'm going to maybe just take a couple of seconds, maybe on the next free, just to to steady myself and make sure I nail it. Is there any advice that you give to, you know, the listeners or any any young lads like that are going to be coming through on, on something like that, uh, receiving the abuse? Yeah, like the first thing you have to realize, like if you're getting abused for that, that you know, 
they're giving you abuse for a reason and that's you know that you're you're good you're doing you're doing well and like when i was minor paul clark was would have been over minors and i learned a valuable lesson off him he used to be on to me the whole time about you know raising your standards and you know hitting every free and so on and i used to be like did this lad ever go away from me you know i felt like you know he's getting here but no, he explained to me that the reason he gets at me is because I'm good and he thinks I can be very good and that's why he he pushes and you know I kind of always thought of that when I would hear managers or other players getting at me over something do you know what I mean they're getting at you for a reason so I'd always take that as a compliment nearly uh, if I was a young lad coming up now and someone's getting at me you know that's that's a good thing and in terms of free taking or if lads got trying to get inside my head or whatever it's just pressing the reset button I would have my routine for my free kicks and you know I would just take as much time as I could you know make sure I take all my steps in my breathing routine and go back to that so it's just a pure reset button and go back to what you know Uh, that's how I deal with that really you know yeah that that that, that's good advice uh, for for anyone that's you know that maybe struggles with that kind of thing because like I, I've seen lads you know before playing any grade of football where you know had the wrong reaction they've retaliated maybe hit a lad got sent off and you know that can that can be that a negative happen, but you have to realise the game is like it's, it's a load of moments within a game do you know what I mean and Fair enough, you kicked away. That's one moment gone in the game, but there's a whole pile of stuff to come, you know. And a lot of people forget that, you know. Why would you be getting hung up about one thing that you did wrong? You, you've literally 55 minutes to get it right, or to, you know, and you often find that the, the, the strongest uh, players mentally don't show emotion, they don't show anything when they do kick away or do whatever, they just get on with it, you know. And that's something that you'll you kind of learn over time, I suppose. Like I just wanted to touch on, I suppose. Then finally, it, you know, you came say from the right up through with me, to, me team some under fourteen right up, and remember we were up the under fourteen, say under fifteen, weren't always kind of maybe the main man at the time. You know, like we obviously in the towers, we knew you were very good. Like anyone that played along with you, maybe when you were up to some of the me teams, maybe there was there was days we often went with the second team, you know, and how did you, what advice would you give for a fella like, and you've probably, sorry, you've probably seen fellas that were never on them teams or never on meet underage teams or only in bits and parts and that have kind of come in through then onto the senior panel. What advice would you give to younger lads just, you know, trying to make that breakthrough into, into county level, you know, at minor under 21 because, that's probably the most pivotal time is that kind of transition period from, you know, from a teenager, teenager into mm-hmm. an adult. What advice did you give them, you know, to maybe goals they need to set or, you know, the work they need to do, etc. Yeah, it's, it's good. I think you remembered, uh, or even I think we were under 14 or 15 over playing in trim with the B team. And we pretty much, <laughs> we picked the team. Do you remember? I yeah, I was, I was corner back. I do remember. Yeah, we were, that was that was at the time we were, you know, on meet under 14s or maybe it's 15s. The B team and A and the B team would go and the A team would have, you know, the stronger players and they'd be gone and the B team would be left with whoever's around to give a hand. Do you know what I mean? And I wasn't very, I wouldn't exactly fill you with confidence, but I suppose that drives you on more than ever. That drove me on, especially. I used to play a half back on the under fourteen B team, and then I'd be, it could be anywhere. And um, I suppose that does fuel you. And it's what I'd say to any young lad is that you have to hang in there. It's all about hanging in there. If you want to go uh, to the top or you want to go to the next level, it's the people that hang in and are, are the, mo- the most dedicated that will get to the top. That's what I find. I've seen lads that that were unbelievable underage best players, and everybody knows one of those lads or a few of those lads. When I looked around, then from our minor team from 2008, myself and Brian Menton and Sean Tobin, we were the last three on that panel, and that's only 10 years later, roughly, you know. So 
it just shows you, you know, it's just about keeping the head down. I'd always go and seek advice. If a coach is telling you that you 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 need to work on your weak foot, well, that's what you go and do. And you leave no excuses. You don't leave anything. You don't leave the management with any um, excuses to tell you that you can't be on it. You know what I mean? You pretty much pull your way in and you, you hang in there. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's good advice as well because we we do have a big drop-off rate in in football and even at club level. Like, especially, we have a big drop-off rate in them years. And now there's part of it maybe that's not managed well, maybe within the GA, etc. But I think, fellas, then as well, probably, and you might agree with this, that they missed the point of why they actually started playing football in the first place. They played it because they enjoyed it. And then they're coming up, they're 18, they're 19, they're not getting on the club first team. And then they kind of just fall away. Whereas, and I've seen it, I've seen it with, with Kells in recent years where we did lads there that wouldn't been on the first team for a few years and all of a sudden then they kind of hung around, they played their junior, maybe the penny dropped at them, right, does I have to start working hard here? Maybe I'm not doing enough. And then, you know, when they were 24, 25, got their shot. Or, you know, and we've had lads there that won a junior B a few years ago and then all of a sudden they found themselves playing senior because that kind of year of enjoying their football at that kind of spurred them on. And then yeah, you're looking big, Yeah, and then you're looking up to to other lads and you're seeing maybe seeing then just as you get that small bit old just the work that they are putting in. if I can put this work in, right, it's going to be tougher to put that work in. But the rewards are greater when you put the work in. And that would be advice that I probably myself give to anyone that you know, at 19 or 20, that's kind of questioning whether I should pack it in or not. Is You know, you start playing football because you enjoy it. So keep yeah. playing it, no matter what the level is. And that can be the same for county. Lads don't make the breakthrough straight away at 19 or 20 as well. And, you know, we've seen that in recent years. Like, lads get called in, do well with the club, get called in. And it just works. It, it progresses from there. You go into the meet setup, obviously, and then you have to work harder again. To, to get your spake in but and it's even changed a bit like you would always find when I first and then probably 10 years ago it was you do your time you do two three years you know you play maybe a bit of Bourne Cup you know with a view to kind of pushing in the following year and pushing again a lot of lads now come in and they're kind of like dip the toe in I'm not getting luck in gone do you know what I mean and and that's not that's not going to it's not going to benefit you as a footballer. It's not going to benefit anyone. You know, you have to you have to go through a bit of failure or a bit of setback in order to come out the other side uh, stronger. That's what I always find. And um, you know, everyone plays a role in their club. You don't have to be the the best player. You don't have to be. You know, you could be the joker in the dressing room who who lights things up. Do you know what I mean? And 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 that is very important. You'd see you seen in Kells and Kilmainham. Sure, we max out on what we have all the time, and yeah. we pretty much don't let anyone retire. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just to keep lads at it. But you know, the amount, the amount that comes from playing football, the enjoyment, the nights out. Uh, if you win something, you lose something. If there's tragedy in the area, whatever, you're all bound together by that. You know, and and it's uh, it's definitely it's unbelievable to be part of. Yeah, that that camaraderie and like, you, you see it, you see it in, in any club, you know. And there's yeah, fellas like myself, you know, that hang around there the whole time, doesn't really don't miss much any year, um, be there all the time because there is an enjoyment in it, mm. you know. There is that, there is other elements, and even from the football part of it, say there is that camaraderie. You can think of B League games going to there in the last few years, like. 15 of us, you know, going to Kilbride and our cat, these places. And the last, like, the last couple of years, that's all we talk about was going to these places and yeah, yeah. the crack we had. And, you know, every lad went up, you know, to give it his all, you know, no matter how good, bad, or indifferent we were. But well, that's where all the stories and the crack comes from, is, is yeah. those outings, you know? Yeah, yeah, big time. And, you know, that's what people need to, you know, to kind of realize is that, yeah. you know, we play it to enjoy it. Thanks very much, uh, Mickey. Uh, I'm just going to do a little quick fire round. 
Yeah, more well, just to, to lighten it up, I suppose, from all the, the talk of the, the injuries and you know different setbacks. Uh, it's just going to be five questions. Um, and I'm going to start off with the worst dress sense in the mid dressing room Brian McMartin, hands down, even worse than Killian O'Sullivan. Yeah, 100%. Brian McMartin wears the socks, you know, the mid 1996 socks. Yeah, those they get wet and go into your into your boots. The worst. Um, choice of music for a long journey. I found over the years I need to be relaxed to play as good as I want to be. So I always stick on maybe a bit of Hosier. Yeah, Hosier's album. I'd actually let it run out. I'd just play it, and yeah, he'd be my man to go to. That's it. Um, one sport other than football that you would have liked to make it as. Still trying as a hurler. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's soccer for me. Soccer, yeah. I had a chance playing a bit of soccer when I was in around leaving certain age. Yeah, that was one regret. I didn't push on there with that. Soccer, I loved it. Uh, Favourite pre-match meal? Well, you're forced to eat chicken and pasta, but I I would love a banana sandwich and a cup of tea. That's my go-to. <laughs> I always... Uh, Eat all my carbs the night before and then just banana sandwich, cup of tea. That's it the next day. Um, toughest opponent? Intercounty, yeah. Uh, we go intercounty and we go club. Intercounty, uh, I suppose Philly McMartin is, is, is up there. Probably because I marked him since I was that's playing Sigerson. Uh Good, yeah. Not that you'd be, you'd be getting the ball and you'd be able to score off him and all that but just a competitor a physically strong competitor yeah he'd yeah. be one of the toughest uh, club wise there's plenty there's plenty of lads that stuck into me alright uh, I always had good battles with uh, Kieran uh, Gooch Alan from uh, Bechtel yeah good good player good talented player there was probably uh, often times you had, you had battles with Two or three lads, I think, in in, in, the, one, in the one game. Yeah, uh, the good, no, Gucci was a good player. Um, yeah, good competitor. You know, suffers with injuries too, obviously. But yeah, anytime you mark him, you you know you'd have a, you'd have your hands full. Yeah. Perfect, Mickey. Thanks very much uh, for joining us. No problem, lads. It's very enjoyable. And uh, we wish you the best of luck now for the rest of the recovery and. Please, God, we'll we'll see you back with the the boots on, um, in the near future. Hopefully, the the COVID doesn't allow the season to be stopped any longer, and we can clean it when the weather comes in. The good weather comes in, we can get back out. Yeah, sunshine, footballer, lads. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Mickey. Thanks very much. No worries, lads. Thanks. Paul, that was great to have uh, Michael on. You that knows Michael plays alongside him, you probably took you know, a lot of stuff away from that that you didn't know about him, even being so so close to him in, you know, within the club and that. You know, what were your main takeaways from, from that interview? I suppose I always um yeah, like I'd be good friends with Mickey and I'd play with him on the same club and I always knew yeah, he suffered a lot with injuries, but I think just looking at how honest that that interview was and you know when he goes into detail on the amount of setbacks he's had and the tough times he's had I think a lot of us in, in our club wouldn't, wouldn't be aware of you know and I don't know whether it shows how little it's discussed or talked about or how how not open it is in clubs but it was amazing to hear him talking about it like you know just the amount of injuries that he's has to come through like he said back in, in 2019 been told your inter-county career is over, you might get two or three, three more years at club. Like, And how he's able to bounce back from that was just amazing. And it was great to see that he had the support network there, especially from the, the inter-county players, as he said, the couple of lads that he was able to ring and who've had the same kind of, the same struggle, the same operation and able to talk to them and work his way through it. And I found it amazing the amount of setbacks he's had and still the the way he talks about his love for the game and his love for doing it. It's just amazing. Like. And that's, that's again, I suppose, that we discussed there. That's what people have to remember, you know, 
you do these things because you enjoy it, because you love playing with your club, you love playing football. And, you know, we kind of escape that sometimes and we, we let other things take over. And, you know, when he was honest there, there was times where he himself kind of felt like, you know what, you know, will I pack it in? And, you know, he after getting the news one time, he just kind of kind of went into his shell maybe a bit and mm-hmm. started doing things that weren't quite maybe part of his routine, like, you know, what's and watching his eating and different things. And that can, you know, that can spiral, you know, but it was great to see that he was a, he was able to go and reach out to people and, you know, and people be listening and saying, well, you know, that, that support network might be exactly there within within your club. If you're thinking that, go and find out if it is there. If it's not there, then maybe it's an issue that needs to be raised to say, look, we need, you know, maybe a bit more talk around this or maybe a bit more help on on certain things. But if a lad gets an injury within the club now, you'd be hoping that the advice is there between physios and, and the different supports there. And it doesn't have to be physios. He said he rang lads and he, that he wouldn't have been playing at the time, but they had played it previously. You know, and there's always someone that's gone through that situation that you've gone through. So just pick up the phone. They'll talk you through it, you know, and they'll give you their advice and their experience. And there's going to be things you can take away from that. And yeah, it's not an easy road, but you have to remember where you're you're getting back on the on the road to, to recovery because you're going back to do something you'll enjoy because eventually it's going to come a time where you can't do it. And like, even with Mickey there, even if he was to only get the two or three years out of it, we know that he would pursue the recovery and that he'd see it out because that two or three years might mean a lot to him in 10 years' time because in 10 years' time, he might be playing it all and then he's looking back. Jeez, I wish I had to play them two or three years and you don't want to live with mm-hmm. them regrets. So, you know, it's good that we could see the the positive attitude he had towards it. Um, and I know we, we probably didn't touch on the game side of things and defeats and that, but he, he touched on as well, you know, that there was one season, I think 2015, 2016, around then, where he said he lost 80% of the games and, and things like that. But it's other things that keep you going, just the, the crack and the dressing room, playing alongside your, your friends, you know, playing with, he's playing with four brothers and a brother-in-law with the club there now as well. You know, and they're the, they're the things that, that keep you going. And he's, it was great to see, even with all the the tough preseason training and all the injury setbacks, that the still the the good times outweighed outweighed all the bad times. Even though at times there was a lot of setbacks and a lot of losses, that the enjoyment was still there for the game. Exactly, yeah. And I think you know, just after listening to that interview, when I came to you with the idea, like when we decided we were going to do this podcast, I think we couldn't have picked a better interview to start with. It couldn't have went any better. Like he talked about his struggles. He talked about how he went down and then he talked about how he brought, picked himself back up again. Do you know? And that's yeah. exactly what we're looking to do. So if that, someone's going through the same thing, you can come on and listen to this podcast and listen to Mickey talking and say, oh, you know, this, this, rev- this resonates with me. This, this is my situation. He's talking about, look what he done. I'm going to do that right now. Do you know? And that's, that's what we're looking to do at the Mind Game Pod. You know, it's not to focus in and all look where Mickey or look at all he's been through. It's look how he got through it. And, and if you are going through the same thing, this is what you can do to help yourself. Yeah, and, you know, speaking, I suppose, of helping yourself, Paul, we'll move on to our end of podcast segment, uh, Thursday's Thoughts with Paul. So what topic do we have on, or tip do we have on Thursday's Thoughts with Paul this week? Thanks a minute, Gary. Um, yeah, so I suppose this is just a section each week where I just want to share um, a little bit of a tip or a little bit of advice. Um, just from what I've learned, I suppose, where my information is coming from is I nearly finished a diploma in mindfulness and positive psychology at the minute. And I've been practicing mindfulness for a number of years, just due to the fact that I've, I've suffered from anxiety and I'd be nervous and you know, I get panic attacks a lot. So I started looking into this a few years ago and looking into the way the brain works and different ways we can deal with this stuff that comes up. So the topic I'm going to cover today, just a couple of minutes on it, is just thoughts are not facts. So the reason I decided to look in on this topic first is I think I know definitely myself and to talk about this a lot is the problem is often our thinking. 
and our thinking around the situation is, is what causes us our, our suffering, we'd say. So, you know, a classic example would be uh, we're walking down the street. So say I'm walking down the street and Gary, you walk by me and I say hello and you don't say hello back. And I spend the whole day then thinking, what's going on there? Why did Gary not say hello to me? Oh, he mustn't like me. Something's going on. He, he's taking me over something, you know. And I, I could nearly ruin my whole day worrying and stressing over this. And then I could meet you the next day and say, oh, hello. And I could ask you why you didn't say hello to me yesterday. And you said, I didn't even see it. Do you know what I mean? And it just shows then that, you know, I spent that whole day worrying and stressing over the fact that you didn't say hello to me. I created this story in my head that wasn't true. And we do that a lot, you know, in a lot of things in life. We, you know, our brains are made to look at the world, you know, as, as more dangerous than it is, I suppose. And so we, we can often... We can often overthink things and, and create stories and create negative stories in our head where make things look a lot worse than they are, basically. So if you think about in the last while, you know, has has your thinking ever brought down your mood? Have you ever been having a good day and, you know, you start to think and you go into a phase of negative thinking and, and it just completely brings down your mood and nothing's actually wrong in the moment. Nothing has gone wrong in the day. It's just the fact that your, your negative thinking has brought you down. So I suppose my third thoughts would be to the next time that you're you're thinking negative or you're stressing out or you're worrying, have a look at your thoughts and say, do I know that these are facts? Do you know, and when you do that, then it takes you out of the story in your head. So say if you're in that negative thinking, oh, this is terrible, oh, this is awful, oh my God, this, what if, what if this could happen? What if that could happen? Stop and say, okay, is what I'm worrying about now, is it a fact? Do I know for sure that it's going to happen? And you know, nine times out of 10, it's not a fact. You know, we have 60,000 thoughts a day, humans. So all them was facts, you know. So it's just a good way of taking yourself out of that negative thinking and, and watching your thinking and saying, okay, is this thought serving me right now or is it not? Generally, it's not, you know. A wandering mind is an unhappy mind, as they said. Um, so bring yourself in. A good way to do that is watch, ask if the thoughts not facts. If they're not, take yourself out of the thinking. So bring yourself back to the present moment. You know, what am I doing right now? Because generally what we're thinking about is never what we're doing right now. We're thinking, oh, two weeks down the line, this is going to happen. Or, you know, tomorrow I have to do this. What are you doing right now? Because that's all that really matters. So I leave it there for the Thursday's thoughts for this week. Thanks very much, Paul. That was um, a great insight into, into the way we think. And, you know, if there's... Please God, there's people out there that are listening and can take something away from that and use something to help them. And anything that's been discussed in the podcast, um, I'd like to thank Mickey for coming on board uh, for the first one. Thanks very much to Paul for asking me um, to do this with him. Thanks to our editor, Alan Tormey. And thanks for all, thanks to all the listeners for listening in. Um, please follow us on at the Mind Game Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, please share, and if there's anything that you would like to see, don't be afraid to give us a message, and we'll have a look into see if it's something that we can discuss.